Parashas Miketz relates the meteoric rise of Yosef from, the, from a prisoner in Potiphar's dungeon to the Mishnah Melach to the Viceroy of Egypt. That's uh, when Hashem wants to make someone successful. There is no limit to how high he could rise. When the Saramashkim mentioned Paro to Yosef, he is supposed to do so immediately upon being rehabilitated. He didn't do so. The Pasuk says, Last Pasuk in last week's Pasha, he forgot about him. But when he was forced to mention him to Paro, because Paro had his dreams and no one could interpret them, and, and the Saramashkim thought that maybe Yosef could, when he describes his, his interaction with Yosef, he says he was in jail. And they had a dream. And then he says, Bishami Tanu Na'ar Ivri. With us was a Na'ar Ivri, a young Jewish man, a young Ivri man, Hebrew man, Eved Tabachim. He was a slave of the, of the Sarah Tabachim, Patifar. And he interpreted our dreams and so on. And he became the Mishnah Melech of Egypt. Rashi brings a Midrash. Arurim Harishayim. Cursed are the wicked. Shein Tavas Shlema. Even when they do something good, there's a negative side to it. There's a, there's a corrupt and negative side to what they do. Even though he was doing something great for Yosef, he was finally remembering him and mentioning him to Paro, the way he did it was a way of, was by disparaging, by denigrating Yosef. The Midrash Darshan, so a bunch of the words he used carried with, carried with them a uh, negative connotation. He called Yosef Nar. Nar means he's young, he's young and foolish, Shota. He's too young to be eligible here in the United States. We have a 35 years old to be president. He was a nar. Exactly how old he was, it says later he was 30 when he stood before power. He wasn't so young, but he was uh, young enough. He says he was Evet. He was Ivri. Ivri, a Felish in any way, no He doesn't speak Egyptian. He doesn't recognize, he doesn't know Egyptian. He's, he's a foreigner. He's not one of ours. Evet, Lazar Tabachim. He was a slave. It says in the Musa Mitzrayim. According to the laws of Egypt, it says, Shein Evan Molech will love big day sarim, and Evid is not eligible to rule, and he can't wear aristocratic clothing. So the Saramashkin was saying to Paro, he may be useful, but don't get too carried away with him. Uh, on a variety of grounds, he's not suitable to be appointed to a position of, of ruler, of ruler, of leader, of leader. Paro, of course, didn't listen and made him the Mishnah Melech anyway. Do we actually that he didn't speak Egyptian? been in Egypt his, his entire adult life, and he'd been a servant in the house and in, in the prison with the other prisoners. And, uh, Maybe he spoke with an accent? So, right. So it's an interesting question. Is, is it really plausible with Derek Hapshat that Yosef really didn't know Egyptian at this point? An interesting question. I am not sure. Okay. Well, it could be just like, you know, someone like, you know, some a foreigner. They don't really know German, even though they speak, right. but they're not like a foreigner. Like they don't really know German culture. They don't yeah. understand the German soul. Additionally, there are other versions of the Midrash that have other, other, that put other spins on Ivri. Ivri, we, we're going to say later in the Parsha, it says that, it says that when, the brothers, when the brothers came down to Mitzrayim and Yosef invited them, invited them to, eat with, uh, to eat with them, so he said, he said, Simu lachem, give them food, give them bread. They ate separately. They had separate, separate meals. They were all separate. Egyptians could not eat together with Jews with Ivrim because there was Toeva involved. Rashi brings what is Toeva he? That the it was Toeva to eat together. Rashi tells you to look in the Targum. The Targum says that it was the the animals that Egyptians worshipped, the, the Jews ate, that that's why they were Roetzon. So the Roetzon were, were were expelled from the inhabited areas because the Mitzrayim and shepherds didn't get along. So the Midrashim say this was also this Midrashim say this was the Sarah the Saramashkim's denigration of Yosef. He's an Ivri. We hate the Ivrim. The Ivrim are Toeva for us. Uh, so he's, he's he's not just a foreigner, he's a particularly hated foreigner. Okay. So on a variety of grounds, the Saramashkim was arguing that the Yosef was not suitable to be king, to be Mishlamelah. We mentioned last week the Riva, one of the Balaitosis, in his Pirishalat Torah, he brings a Midrash that mentions a whole other grounds for objection to Yosef being appointed viceroy. The Riva says that it was the old question of Ashes Potiphar again. 
we mentioned last week that many Mefarshim, many Midrashim say that at the time Potiphar threw him into jail, there was some consideration of whether he was innocent or guilty, and that otherwise Potiphar would have killed him, and he really thought he was guilty. He believed he was innocent, or he believed there was reasonable doubt. So most of that we mentioned last week, most of those Midrashim and Rishonim have this discussion, this, uh, this trial, so to speak, occurring at the time of that affair, at the, at the time of the accusation, when he was thrown into jail. There was some consideration, there was forensic, there was analysis of forensic evidence. The, 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 the standard Midrashim say this all happened back then, at the time where he was, Patifa was deciding what to do with him. The Riva brings a Midrash, though, that this issue came up again now. Again, this was a number of years later. This was uh, at least you know, three years later, according to Rashi. According to one midrash, he was he was he was in jail for ten years before Pashas Miketz. So Twelve years later, but the, this was a while later. But now that Para was considering appointing Yosef as the Mishnah Melech, this issue came up again. Like at the confirmation hearings, we have uh, when when, some, when somebody's going to be appointed, his opponents drag drag out every bad thing he ever did. Certainly, the major things. This is what happened with Justice Kavanaugh. They, 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 they brought up uh, allegations of sexual misconduct years earlier. According to the Riva, according to the Riva's Midrash, that's what happened to Yosef. When Yosef was, when they were going to appoint Yosef as king, Amru, people said, How can we appoint somebody to be the king, someone who did this terrible thing of betraying his master and committing adultery with the wife of his master? So he says, the, he goes back to the standard form of the Midrash, the priest said, we can analyze the, the Begadim, we can analyze the clothing, we'll see how they're torn, and so on. I, I pointed out last week, the, today we would worry about chain of custody, where have these garments been for years, were they kept in a secure evidence locker somewhere. But whatever it was, according to the Riva, the issue of Yosef's misconduct arose at the point that Para wanted to appoint him as viceroy. And there were those who said, it's not right, someone guilty of these crimes shouldn't be able to be the Melech, and he was only, he was appointed Melech because they were able to exonerate him, the, to exculpate him based on the evidence. So, the truth is that in Halacha as well, there is such a rule, there is actually a Halacha like this, you're not allowed to, to appoint to certain types of positions of authority someone who has a hate in his background. The classic discussion of this is the Tshuva and the Tshuva Sedeshen. Truman's edition talks about the following case. This is in Chalik Bays, in the Pesach the, there's, the, there's a famous tradition, the Shach brings it, about the Truman's edition, Chalik Aleph, that his Shailos were artificial, were contrived, that, that they were really just made-up cases to teach halachas in various situations. The, the, the reason the Shach says that, the significance of that is that in a regular Shaila that actually happened, you can't necessarily ask, why is this detail relevant? Does this affect the halacha? That's what happened. But the shalos and the Trumasadeshin were artificial, so you can be medayik, the shaka I think is arguing, you can be medayik every aspect of the case. If he, if he constructed a given detail and, and, and wrote it down, there must be a reason for it. Okay, modern scholars, I think, say that the shaka is probably not correct, that we have other evidence, the, the Trumasadeshin's Talmud, the Leket Yosher, the Sefer called Leket Yosher, which mentions some of the same stories that are in Chalik Aleph as actual stories, apparently. Be that as it may, this story of the Trumasadeshin is in Chalik Beis, which I think everyone agrees are actual stories because he gives names and details a lot, including in this case. He said he was asked by some distinguished members of the Kila of Regensburg. He names them. He says, they asked him the following question. There was a certain person in their community who had sworn falsely. He was involved in some kind of uh, litigation against the, the community. He had sworn, taken a shvua. And he had been exposed as having lied. It turned out uh, it, was, it was discovered that he had lied. He had lied and taken a shvua shekher. He was fined and punished. But eventually, the community made their peace with him. They decided to uh, let bygones be bygones. They were happy with him again. And they agreed that they would now be willing to appoint him to a position of authority in the community, among the, the Tuve HaKahal, the, the leaders who would be who would be in charge of setting policy and managing the affairs of the community. So the community wanted to appoint him as in this position. We, we talk about the Zion Tuve Ha'er, the seven people who ran the communal affairs, the Tuve HaKahal. These were, this, was, this was an institution in, in, in medieval times and later periods, up till pretty recently, uh, up till a century or two ago, that the community would be self-governed by a, by a council, a board, a board of freeholders kind of, who would, who would uh, make policy, who would govern the affairs of the city. So they wanted to appoint this person to this board. But some people wondered, do we have the right to do that? 
he says that the job of this board was they would they would make arrangements for the Tzarchei Rabbim, the Takin Tzarchei Rabbim, to public needs, Migdar Milsa, to set policy where necessary to to uh, curb problems, to oversee public matters, Yechidim. So the problem was that the the problem was that you know for a fact that he swore falsely, and he never accepted proper proper tshuva. Allah Halacha recognizes tshuva. You can do tshuva, and tshuva we believe is very powerful. But tshuva has rules, especially when it comes to the tshuva of Benegela Halacha to be considered rehabilitated, to be eligible to re, to regain your privileges that you had before you did the avera. Tshuva has rules. We have to you have to be machzor aveda b'davar chashuv. You have to return Aveda, a valuable Aveda, where nobody knows who you are, you're not going to get credit for it, or you have to be... Uh, there, there are different tests and different criteria that you have to meet to be considered al to have done a valid tshuva. Obviously, between you and Akash Baruch, Akash Baruch knows your tshuva and knows what, knows what you're up to. But la where it's relevant to, to dinim, to your personal status, al there are certain criteria that have to be met. And this person... I'm not sure. He, may, he might bring them in other halachas, halachas shchita, or halachas... Right, in Hilchus Tshuva, he focuses on the, 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 the four steps of Tshuva, and uh, Tshuva Gemur is when you have the same opportunity and you pass it by. That's actually one of the forms of Tshuva here as well, that, that you have the opportunity and you let it go to do the Avera. But the, the, the halacha, this is born in Shulchan Aruch in the appropriate places, and that, that, that a person has, a person who's, who's uh, considered an Avarya and loses certain Amanas and so on, is not Neman again unless, unless and until he, he, he satisfies the requirements of Tshuva. This person had not done so. And they wanted to know if they were therefore able to appoint him to a position of authority or not. Truman Sedeshin says, in my opinion, the answer is no. Even though you're willing to do it, you're not allowed to do it. The Torah doesn't let. Unless he does tshuva. Uh, tshuva has to be as, as assigned to him by one of the Rabbosenu, Bali Haros. He says, the reason is, once you know he's done an Avera, he's taken a false oath, it was a, apparently a question of money he was trying to steal, because of Chimud Mamon, he's worse than the Ghana for Goslin. Ganav Gazlan steals. This guy did two things. He stole, and he did it by taking a Shua Shekher. And the halacha is, someone who is a Russia like this, who steals, who takes a false Shua, is possible to be a Dayan. That's talking about a Dayan. So how do we get from Dayan to Tuve Hayer? Tuve Hayer are not Dayanim. How do we get, it's what we would call a legislative or executive function, it's not a Dayan. How do we jump from Dayanim to Tuve Hayer? So Truman Sedeshin has this incredibly profoundly important and innovative idea, he says, nope, that's the way it works. He says, Tuve HaKahal, these communal leaders, these, these positions of governmental authority over the community, when they sit and, and handle public affairs, the they have the status of Brestim. He brings this from Rishonim, that the, that the earlier Rishonim, that the Tuve Ha'er have the status of Dayanim, and someone who's a Russia and is possible to be a Dayan, therefore is also possible to, to, to be appointed to the position of Tuve Ha'er. So this idea of the Truman Sedeshin, this is brought by the Raman Shulchan Aruch and Shulchan Mishpat, and this was applied by later posts given, in, we'll discuss some applications later, but this was this was this was described. This was applied by Poskim in, in in a number of different contexts. There's a tshuva in the Chasim Sofer we talk about a lot. Chasim Sofer talked about a case where there was an election for rav in a community. They were voting on different candidates for a rav, and there was a, a terrible scandal that broke that there had been vote buying. That 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 people, perhaps agents of the rav, relatives or not, the question was what could be proven, what couldn't be proven. But the there were allegations, there were rumors that. Vote buying had occurred. People had been paid to vote for the Rav, to, for, for this particular candidate. The question was, does that automatically invalidate the vote? The Chassim Sofer says yes. If it's true, it invalidates the vote. And, and the argument he makes is, in part based on this true sedition, anyone who is in a position of public trust, is not, it's, it's not just wherever you want. You're bound by Hilchus Dayanim. You have to meet the criteria of Dayanim. Someone who accepts shochad, who, who, who's, who's corrupt, who takes money to sell his vote, would be possible to be a Dayan, and therefore is possible to vote. Chassim Sofer is, is, is an incredible extension of the Truman Sedeshin. Truman Sedeshin itself is a big Chiddush, that he extends the criteria of Dayanim to these two Vehakahal. Chassim Sofer extends it even to ordinary citizens, even to ordinary people who are voting on a matter of public trust. We, in America also, you're not allowed to buy votes, but you know, the same rules of corruption and conflict of interest don't apply to individual voters. 
if I vote for president, if I have a financial interest, the president's going to have policies that are good for my business, that's not called corruption. I'm allowed to vote for my personal interest. We've discussed many times in the past what exactly the rules are according to the Chassam Sefer. The Akalpan of this Shumas Adeshin establishes this monumentally important rule that the, the laws of Dayanim, particularly the laws of integrity and of rectitude that apply to Dayanim, apply to other governmental positions as well. That's how we pass case. There, there, there's a question as to whether other psulim of Dayanim apply to all these public positions as well. For example, being a woman. A woman can't be a Dayan, most we shouldn't say. That's how we pass it. A woman can't be a Dayan. Does, does that itself mean a woman can't be appointed to any one of these positions or even vote, according to the Chassam Sofer? That's discussed by the Poskim. But I'll call upon him, the Trumas Chiddush is that to be in a governmental position, to be appointed to a position of local government, you cannot do that if you are not kosher to be a Dayan, even though you're not acting as a, as a judicial official. Other governmental posi- officials, other, other governmental positions are governed by the same rules, and someone who has done an Avera and has not done Tshuva, which would render him uh, ineligible to be a Dayan, cannot serve as a Tshuva as well. Therefore, he says, in your case, even if you were Mochelim, he says... Hashem is not Mochelim. You can be Mochelim all you want. Hashem is not Mochelim. He makes a very curious argument. He says, there's a very famous Gemara in Yoma. The Gemara in Yoma says, A person can bring He can bring all the most fat and beautiful karbanas in the world. He doesn't get Mechila until he asks Mechila from his friend, until the, the person he wronged is Mochelim. Says the Shumas Hadeshen, God and his rights and prerogatives is certainly greater than those of Basar Vedam. Rabbi Chavero has two components. You sin to Hashem, and you sin to Chavero. The Gemara tells us, even if you do tshuva to Hashem, if you don't settle with your friend, then, then, then Navera still remains. Says the Tshuva Sedeshen, Kolshkein the other way around. Kolshkein, if you do settle with your friend, but not with God, then certainly Navera is not nimchal. God's prerogatives are, God's rights are greater than your friend's rights. So if the Gemara says that settling with, with God is not enough if you don't settle with your friend, then Kalvachomer, settling with your friend, is not enough if you don't settle with God. Even though this person settled with the community, since he didn't settle with God, that he, he never did a proper tshuva, therefore his hate remains, therefore he is not kosher to be a Dayan, and therefore, that, and therefore he's not kosher to sit on the board of the Tuve HaKahal, and that is the Trumatadeshan's ruling. He has some, some other, other discussion of this question, but that is his bottom line. That's how the Ramah Paskins in Shulchan Aruch. Tuve HaKahal, Hamamunim, Lasso, Ketzorche, Rabbim, or Yechidim, Tuve Akahal are not allowed to uh, are not allowed to are not, are not allowed to sit as uh, Tuve Akahal can't be people who are Rishayim who would be possible to be Dayana. How can you conclude he didn't do Tshuva Klape Hashem? He says the burden of proof is on him. That, that, until we've seen a demonstration of Tshuva, we, we, we don't presume he did Tshuva. We, we don't know for sure, I guess, but Tshuva has halachas, and uh, just like in Dinah Mavis, you have to bring proof, you have to have Edom, you have to have Rias. Until he does, so, so there's two things. There's one question of evidence. The other question is, Tshuva has formal requirements. So the, he, he's not clear exactly what he means. He seems to allude to the idea of the, of the Chassidah Ashkenaz, which was still practiced until relatively recently, of Tshuva Samishkal, that a person had to accept uh, penance and suffering for whatever he did. The, I was just writing an article you know, about uh, traveling during bad weather, so I was, uh, which I'm planning on doing tomorrow, but uh, so I was writing an article about this today, where I wrote about a terrible, a terrible case in the, discussed by the Yad Elio of Lublin several hundred years ago, about a fellow who pressured, intimidated his, his young servant, Jewish servant, to go on a business trip through terrible weather. The, 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 the fellow really didn't want to. Nobody was traveling. It was, you have to be crazy to travel in that snow. And eventually he, he uh, browbeat his, his servant into, going, into doing it. The servant went out, got badly lost and stuck in a blizzard. He says there was, there was some bad snowstorm. There was so much snow, he says, the height of a person. Um, the fellow got lost and stuck. And uh, he said so the fellow was traveling with another, another young man. So he says, uh, they were traveling through the night, they were lost, he says. At one point, the, 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 the poor fellow in the story, he told his friend, you know, I can't go on, let's stop. His friend knew that if he stops, you stop, you die. So he said, you can't stop. So, so the friend kept on going and made it back to safety. And uh, this other kid froze to death. And uh, it was, was discovered the next morning when they got a search party out in daylight, he, he froze, they discovered he had frozen to death. 
So he has a whole tshuva discussing whether the, the employer is high of tshuva. Tshuva means all kinds of fasting. So then one of the Rabbanim involved said, okay, you know, 40 days of fasting consecutively, and then three days a week for the next three years, and then go to his grave every month to ask Mechila and various other things. So there are many, many tshuvas, and I've given Shurma this in the past. The Chetidah the, Ashkenaz, and this was followed until relatively recently, were very, very strict about tshuva. Tshuva meant, especially for serious errors like manslaughter, they were very, very strict. They had to have many, many fast days, and refraining from meat and wine, and... Uh, right. Right. Uh, tshuva, tshuva, the were typically very serious ones, and they didn't usually say, you know, I, I was nichshel and muchtza on Shabbos, I, mean, I don't mean to make them be belittled, that is, but they usually talk about things like manslaughter, a lot of tshuvas on manslaughter, or tshuvas on uh, adultery, and you know, serious errors like that. A lot of manslaughter tshuvas, firearm cases uh, from the 16th century, uh, accidental firearm discharges. Um, I, I gave a whole series of I gave a series of shiurim a little while back on women who uh, who, who who accidentally smothered their infants and in, uh, sleeping at night. And postkim, some of them threw the book at them. Some of them were some of them tacked on very serious uh, tshuva to that. Anyway, so it's a tshuva. So I'm not sure if tshuva means that. He, at one point, he refers to tshuva alpi more haros. Uh, his language is. You have to that, that he has to have accepted tshuva. Al pi echad mer harose that they used to go to a rav and the rav would study the svarim and prescribe uh, a specific course of tshuva based on the chomer of averam and degree of pshia and so on, the degree of mezid or pshia. So I'm not sure if he means that or he just means alux and shulchanarach that he has to demonstrate that he's turned over a new leaf and and resist temptation and so on. He's now he's more honest and more erlich now. I'm not sure exactly what he means, but yeah, the point is he has to prove it. He has to meet certain certain formal standards and prove it. Between, again, the, the, the post can point out, the Gemara Kedushin says, if a person says, even though he's a Russia, if a person is Mikadish and Isha, even if he's a Russia called Yamav, she's Mikudeshes, at least Misafik, and the, and the Rishonim Amazber, because the Shemahera B'Tshuva, the Gemara says, maybe he did Tshuva, even though he doesn't have all the Rambam's Tikkun Tshuva, and he didn't say Vidu, and all these other things, but some degree of Tshuva to be called at least a Tzadik in some sense, uh, the, what, what the Bali Muster tell us is true, that the person can turn himself around in, in a moment, uh, even internally. But on the other hand, for, for halakhic purposes, for purposes of being rehabilitated and, being, and re- retaining, re- regaining your, your prerogatives, your halakhic prerogatives, there are more formal standards of, of meeting certain formal criteria. This person had not done that. He, he freely acknowledges if he does tshuva, he'll be able to, uh, to come back. But if he hasn't done tshuva yet, then, then, then we, can't, we can't appoint him to, a, to this position. I was at a Ask the Rabbi panel a few months ago, I think, where it was Rav Roshiva of Arnold Piansky, and the other one was maybe Rav Hopfer of Baltimore. It was, a, it was a conference in Baltimore, one of the Baltimore Abanim and Rav Lopiansky. So one of the, it was about business, business ethics and law and halacha. So one of the questions they, they addressed was, let's say there's someone in the community who's done serious things, either financial misdeeds or other types of betrayals of public trust and violation of morals and so on and halacha. And, uh, you know, he's trying, to, he's trying to do tshuva and become better. Can we rehabilitate him? Can we, can, we, can we give him a position of honor or prominence or authority? Is it appropriate or not? So Rehafra, I think it was, was actually somewhat strict about this. He actually said... I think that we should not. That even if he's on tshuva, he said that, that he says even though tshuva is mechaperes al kaldavar, and even though we accept tshuva and so on, but he says at the end of the day, he says there have to be consequences. He says if, if victims, I think he was talking about people who either hurt other people. He says if victims think that there's no consequences, no accountability, that a person can just say, okay, I'm done, I'm doing tshuva now, I'm back to my position. He says it's not fair to the victims. It's not. It, it doesn't. It does, it, it's not fair to the public. He says the public needs there to be a sense of accountability. So even if between him and God, uh, he's he's regained God's favor. As a matter of public policy, the community has to demonstrate that we are serious about about holding uh, miscreants accountable and about there being consequences for bad behavior. He took the position that we should. He didn't say we should, you know, expel him from shul. But in terms of at least, in terms of at least, give, treating him as someone with full honors and full. Uh, Preeminence, he said. Well, I, think he, I think he said we should not do it. Rav uh, Lopiansky had, I think, uh, somewhat different. I don't, know if, I don't know if he disagreed, but he had. A, if he looked at it a little bit differently. I forget exactly what he said. It was something nuanced. And uh, <coughs> but the Shmuel's point is that even if that's true, when there's tshuva, that in mikra and din you can be rehabilitated without tshuva. Absolutely not. Without tshuva, we cannot appoint such a person to a position of zayin tuvei of the tuvei 
Rambam passing this way in Shulchan Aruch. Tuve hakahal hamamunim lasim b'tzorchei rabim or yechidim harein kedayanim ba'asurim lahoshev b'neim yishapasa lodzul mishum rishim. Paskins briefly the holding of the Truma's edition cannot appoint someone to a position of tuve hakahal if he is pasul as whatever the psulim of Dayanim are. If he's pasul mishum rishus, he can't be. He can't be. Can't hold such an office. Rav Zalman Chemi Goldberg a few years ago, a leading a leading modern expert on Chashem Mishpat and Avon Ezer was quoted in, a, in, in the media. I have my doubts as to the accuracy of this. Uh, I, I, I didn't see this corroborated in any primary source. It was in the, the firm media in Eretz Yisrael. But Zalman Nechemi was quoted as having said, based on this Truma Sedeshen, that it is prohibited to vote. It is prohibited to vote for anyone, for any political party, whose, whose members of Knesset, whose, 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 people, whose members of their lists, are not Shomrei Torah Mitzvahs. He says... Any party, he says, it's a simple halacha, he says. Rav Goldberg is said to have said, ask his Talmudim, ask him, you vote for Bayin Ayyudi was the question. He said, absolutely not. There's an Isser Torah to vote for any party that contains Chilonim, who are Machal Shabbos. It's Pashat, that's Apostle Edus. Rama says, Yinala to appoint Psulim Le'edus to be Mamunim Al-Tibur, Edus, Dayanim, similar rules. Yinala to appoint people who are Psulim to have leadership positions over the Tibur. The only thing you can ask, he says, is when you vote for religious parties who have religious members, you can ask, which religious party should I vote for? But to vote for a, a party that has Chilonim and it's in its leadership and it's uh, then Chalai Shabbos, absolutely not. You cannot vote for uh, for such a party. So I, I have my doubts. I'm a little skeptical as to the veracity of this of this report. Rav Dalman Nechemia was uh, known as, as a moderate and a, uh, he was not a firebrand. He was a... Uh, he was, I, you know, this, this, uh, the argument is not a bad one, certainly, that this is what the Truman Sedition says, although we'll see, it's not so simple soon, but somehow, this, this, somehow I, I have the vague feeling that this is not totally in character for Zalman Nechemia to issue a ruling like this in modern Israeli politics. I don't know. I, I'd like to see corroboration of this account or not, but again, it's, it's, a, it's a fairly straightforward extension of the Truman Sedition. The truth is, however, that particularly in the Truman Sedition and the Ramar discussing Tuviakahal, the local governmental bodies. When we discuss the sovereign power, when we discuss the Melech, so a number of other poskim, without referring to the Truman Sedeshen, they, they insisted on the contrary, a Melech has legitimacy, has sovereign authority, even if he's a Russian. There's a Zohar. The Zohar on last week's Pasha, the Achronim Bring, the, the Zohar on last week's Pasha says, one of the most uh, notorious stories in Tanakh is the story of King Achav and the Kerem of Novos Israeli. So Novos was a subject of Achav. Novos had a Kerem, a vineyard. Achav really wanted it. He coveted it. Achav tried to get him to sell it to him. Novos said no. He, he wanted to keep it. So Achav was desperate. Uh, I guess he wasn't used to have being said no to. Achav was desperate for this, to, 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 get, to, get, to get control of this Kerem. So his wife, I think Izevel, proposed a solution to him, kind of like Zeresh and Haman. She said, uh, she said, uh, bring false witnesses, bring trumped-up charges that he was guilty of a capital crime, that he cursed Hashem and cursed the king, and he'll execute him, and then he'll take his property. And that's what he did. And in response to this, uh, in response to this uh, black uh, action of Achav, Eliyahu gave him the famous, uh, the famous pithy line of Musr. He said, Haratzachta v'gam yarashta. First you murder, and then you, and then, and then, and then, you, then you have the chutzpah to inherit the property. You have no shame. You have no, uh, no conscience. So th- this was a terrible thing that Achav did. So the Zohar says, Achav was a Russian in other ways as well. Achav was a terrible over of Zohar. was one of the worst of the Chatas Yeravim and so on. He had some good points as well. But, uh, but, but Achav was a, was a terrible Russian, a terrible over of Zohar. So the Zohar actually says, why was Achav punished? When Achav sees Novus' Karim, when Achav demands Novus' Karim, he had the right to do that. As a sovereign, he had the right to seize property of his subjects. That's the Mishpat HaMalucha of Shmuel. Shmuel told the Jews, that's the Dosechem, the Vecharmechem, the Zesechem, Atovim Yikak, the Melech will take all your stuff. If Achav, if Achav, had Achav just taken the Karim from Novus without killing him, that would have been al Din. It doesn't justify his murder necessarily, unless you say that refusing a legitimate demand of the sovereign made him a martyr of Malchus, but I'll call upon him. The Zohar says, one way or another, that the basic demand of Achav for the Kerem was a legitimate demand of the king, it was a legitimate prerogative of the king, because of Dina Daraisa, of the prerogative of Melech. 
Tosis, Tosis on the, the Talmud Babli says the same thing. The, the Babli actually brings him a chlokis, whether all the things in the Parashas Melech. Shmuel told the people when they asked for kings, you, you think a king is such a great thing, but look at all the things the king will do. He'll exert power on you in all these ways. He'll trample on your rights. He'll take your property. He'll take your children for servants and so on. So the, the, the Gemara brings him a chlokis in, in, in the Babli and Sanhedrin, whether everything that it says in the Parashas of Melech, Melech Muterbo, which is Shmuel's opinion, the Melech, those are things the Melech legitimately has the right to do, al Torah, or Rav says, lo nemra el Shmuel was just trying to scare them. He's saying, you think a Melech is great? The Melech has absolute power. Look what he might do. He's not allowed to do that, al Torah necessarily, but this is what the Melech might do, and you're going to live to regret that you uh, wanted a Melech. So this Machlok is whether, whether Kala Amr B'Parshas Melech, Melech Muterbo or not. On the opinion that says Melech Muterbo, Tosa says, really? Everything in the parish of Melech, Melech is Mutterbo. Lama Nenashachov. Why was Achav punished uh, for taking Novus' Karim? Novus was, was in the wrong for not selling the Karim. Melech has a right to his Karim. Tosis brings a number of Terutzim. One Terutz is the Melech has the right to take it to support his staff, to give to Zavadim, not for his personal use. Sounds paradoxical, but that's, the, that's, a, that's one sheet of Tosis. He can take it if he needs it to feed his army, to, to pay for his government, but not to just take it for his personal use. Or he says, the Melech can take it for free if he wants, but once he's offering to pay, then the, the subject has the right to say no. Again, it sounds a little strange, but uh, if the Melech wants it free, you have to give it to him, or if he wants to pay you for it, you have the right to say no. But that's what another Territ Tosus says. Or he says, Achav wanted it for nefarious purposes, to do a desire in the Karim. That's why he was punished. A fourth shot, he says, is he's only allowed to take the less desirable fields, the fields that are far away from the city, Rechokim and Ayer, which are not so good, but the Karim Novus was a choice, a prized possession in town where he has no right to take. Another shot, he can only take Ste Mikna, a field that you bought, but not, not a Steachuza, not an ancestral field. Tosus has a variety of pshatim for why Achav was punished, but in principle, Tosus says, at least according to the opinion of Shmuel and Melech Mutterbo, Achav was in the right. Achav had the right. Ach- and, and without all these other terutzim, Achav would have been in the right for taking Novus's Karim. So the Zohar and Tosus both say that the that, that Achav, Achav, the, the Melech Achav, had the right to take people's property. That was his prerogative as king. A number of posts can therefore argue, based on this, that the, that the Dinah de Malchusa, the, the rights of the Melech, the Parshas Melech, of Melech Mutterbo, Dinah de Malchusa, applies even if the Melech is a Russia. That Achav was certainly a Russia. Nevertheless, the, the Zohar and Tosa seem to assume that he had the prerogatives of Melech, if not for all these different halukim and so on, and therefore they argue that Dina Malchusa applies even to Rishon. The modern Israeli government. There were poskim who argued that Dina Malchusa Dina does not apply to the modern Israeli government on the grounds that unfortunately they, are, they do not observe the Torah. The members of the government do not observe the Torah. is <coughs> and his followers have a position somewhat along those lines Additionally, in the Chuvas Pa'as Sadecha of Rav Shmuel Dover Akoin Monk, he writes that Dina Melchus Adina does not apply to what he calls B'nai Pritzi Amenu, to people who do not observe the Torah properly. He goes through a number of the various different shitas and the rationale for Dina Melchus Adina, but he says, according to, all the, according to a number of these various opinions, he says, it doesn't apply to B'nai Pritzi Amenu, to Rishayim, he says. He says... If, if, if it's a Takanas Chazal, some say Dinah Melchus is a Takanas Chazal, it's not Mestaver, they were Mestakim, but they Amenu. He brings the Chazanish, he heard that uh, you don't see Dinah Melchus in Eretz Yisrael. So, the, so, so Rav Monk in his past Sadcha said that Dinah Melchus does not apply in Eretz Yisrael because the, unfortunately the government cons- comprises many Rishon. Po- this position is very much an outlier. He was, again, putting, always putting aside the Chazanish, a major exception. Aside from the Chazanish and his followers, most other poskim, in my understanding, say that there is Din Melchus in Eretz Yisrael. It's not worse than any other government. We had thousands of years of governments in Europe and in Asia. They were not Tadikim, all of them. All the czars and all the emperors and all the tyrants and despots that Kalal Yisrael lived under were, by and large, not, not, they were not you know, enlightened uh, philosopher kings and so on. They were, they were some pretty bad people, some of them. And nevertheless, the, the consensus of the poskim is that we do see Din Melchus Adina certainly in Eretz Yisrael. And some of the posts can explicitly justify this, and they reject Rav Monk's position based on what we just saw, that the Din Melchus Adina applied even to Achav. Achav was, uh, was one of the Semel of Rishus. Achav was one of the great, one of the Malachim who has no Chalik and Olam I believe, for his terrible Rishus. He did, he did a certain amount of tshuva, the, the Psukim say, but Achav was always held up as a great Russia. 
says Ravadi Yosef and Yechavadat. He says the Pas Sadcha is wrong. It's a matter of halacha. He's not correct. He says Afilu b'Melach Rasha v'Overed v'Odezara Shayech Haklal Din Mochus Odina. He brings Tosis into Hadron who says that that we say Din Mochus Odina even to someone like Achav. That's what the Zara says also. Rav Ezra Batri, the author of Dini Mamanus, a, a great modern classic of Chashen Mishpat, also says that Din Mochus Odina is Shayech even to a Russia. It's true, we certainly shouldn't look at Chila, appoint a king who's a Russia, he says, but if we, but if we appoint the king, we should only appoint kings who have Yerushalayim. But if a king does, have a, does legitimately hold a position, even if he acts like a Russia, he doesn't forfeit his royal prerogatives. He brings the... He brings the... He brings the Zohar that... that he brings the Zohar that... Um, I think he brings the Zohar, he brings, he brings these precedents we've said, that you say Din Mechuzdin applies even to Rishayim, and therefore my sense is outside the Chazanish and his followers, and Rav Monk, postkim in general, assume that we do say Din Mechuzdin in Eretz Yisrael, because it doesn't matter if he's a Russia, he's still the king. Exactly how we square this with the Trumas Adeshin, Trumas Adeshin says when it comes to the Tuve HaKahal, the local government, we, uh, we, we, we say that he has to be qualified to serve as a Dayan, certainly can't be an Ovedev Adazara, why would the sovereign government be different? I don't really know, the, the Rav Batsri himself makes this distinction explicitly. He says, he says, if you want to discuss whether the Knesset can, can whether, they, whether they would have authority under the under the category of the Zion Tuve Ha'er, under the Tuve HaKahal, that model of uh, others had argued that uh, I think Rav I think Rav Hadai had argued that that was the authority of the Knesset Al Pialacha that, that that they function as the Zion Tuve HaKahal. Says Rav Batsri, that's not correct in his opinion because Tuve HaKahal, the Trumas says they're like Dayanim. Anyone who's possible as a Russia can serve. On Tsarenu, he says, the, the modern government doesn't qualify, he says. They're not religious, they're not observant, he says. So that they can't qualify as Tuva Ha'er. That he says that's different from what I told you earlier that Din Mokhuzadina applies to Risharim as well. This is different, he says. The, the, that the that sovereign power, power as the as the sovereign of the country, what we call in modern terminology sovereign authority, that is not restricted by Tzadik, Russia. As long as you are the monarch, you are the sovereign. Knesset, king, whatever it is, most folks can say the, the halakhas apply to democracies as well. As long as you are the sovereign, you have the rights of the melech of Dinah Melchizedina. However, when it comes to local government, the government of the Tuve, the Tuve Akahali says, there we have to, they're not the king, they don't have sovereign authority, they're under, they're under a sovereign, they have to meet these criteria of Dayanim. He doesn't really explain why, he doesn't really understand if the Trumas assumes that the local government has to have the status of Dayanim, why wouldn't the Melech have the same, the same, the same criterion? I don't know. But that's, that's what he holds for Dever Pashut, that Melech is less restricted. Being a Melech doesn't hinge on being a Tzadik or a Russia. Being the Zayin Tuve HaKahal does. That's the position of that's the position of Rabatsri and a similar position of, again, Yichavadad also says that the Melech has the prerogatives of the sovereign even if he is a Russia. The Rambam in several places also discusses what happens if someone in a position of authority and prominence doesn't have era. The Rambam gives yet another set of rules. The Rambam says, Malin B'Kadosh Loma Ridin, we never demote a person from a position of, from, at a certain level, we never demote somebody because that would violate Malin B'Kadosh Loma Ridin. Ein Ridin La'olam Yisrael. We can never demote somebody or remove somebody from a position of Sarah of authority. Elohim Sarah. Unless Sarah, he behaves in an unsuitable manner, then we can demote him. The Rambam writes, Kohen Gadol Shavar Avera, you give him Malchus, that's Chayef Malchus, you give him Malchus, but then he's Chosh Lugdulaso, then he returns and he is, that's not called Sarah apparently. The, the fact that he did an Avera that he got Malchus for, that's not Sarah. What does Sarah mean? Not clear. But, he, uh, but if he just did an Avera, you give him Malchus and he returns to his position. Elsewhere, the Rambam writes. Elsewhere, the Rambam writes that the Kangal Shachata Bishlosha Kishar Kalam Chazli Dulaso. If he gets if he gets Malchus, if he, if Kangal who doesn't have he ate Chazer, he ate Nevela, gets Malchus, he goes back to he goes back to his position. However, the Rosh Hashiva is different. Rosh Hashiva Shachata, he gets Malchus, and he's not Chazlus Russo. He's not even Chazer to be to being an ordinary member of the Sanhedrin because that would violate Malam Bekodesh Lomaridin. So here, the Rambam says, the head of the yeshiva has a different rule. The Dayanim, apparently, are stricter. The, the head of the yeshiva, or the, uh, specifically the head of the yeshiva, the Rambam writes, 
we don't reinstate him. If he, if, if he doesn't have error that he gets Malchus, we don't, uh, we don't reappoint him. So further analysis is required into the sources of these Rambam. These are based on statements of Chazal. What are these different rules? How does that square with the true possession or not? But the Chikri Leif, Rabbi Yisrael Yosef Chazan, a couple hundred years ago, one of the great Chachmei Asfardim from the illustrious Chazan family, he writes, he says, I don't, I'm not sure I understand the Rambam, he says. The Rambam says if he's Sarach, then we're, we're, we, we remove him from his position. Yet the Rambam goes on to say that, that if the Kohen Gadol, if somebody is over Avera, he gets Malchus and he's reinstated, except for the Rosh Hashiva. But the Kohen Gadol even doesn't have Avera, you punish him and, uh, and censure and move on. You, you punish him and you move on and, and you don't impeach him for that, he says. So which is it? Do you say if he's Sarach, he loses his position? Or do you say that if he's over Avera, He's Chosen Lekashuso. So, what's Sarach? We have to redefine what Sarach means. So, he says, Sarach means Osi Surim Tadir. First shot, Sarach doesn't mean he didn't have error one time. One time he got Malchus, and that's fine. And, and you still have, uh, you're still eligible for the position. Sarach means he has a, a persistent bad character. He keeps doing Averis. Then he has to be removed from his position. That's his first shot. Inami, he says, Sarach refers to an abuse of power. Sarach, the Gemara of Rabbi Gamliel, Rabbi Yeshua, where Rabbi Gamliel abused his authority, the Gemara says he, he, that he, uh, he oppressed Rabbi Yeshua, he humiliated him. So it wasn't just he did something wrong. He, 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 was, he abused his actual authority, his authority as head of the yeshiva. He mistreated Rabbi Yeshua, an underling. That was unacceptable. Such a person has to be removed. Again, it's hard to say, again, it's hard to speak so critically of Rabbi Gamliel, but the Gemara says they deposed him because of this. That's a Gemara, that's not our own Chiddush. And that's an example, he says, that's what Sarach means. Sarach means if a person is guilty of, in, uh, in, in, in the United States Constitution, we talk about impeaching an elected official, the president, for high crimes and misdemeanors. Famously, nobody knows what high crimes and misdemeanors are. They aren't, they aren't actually formally defined anywhere. But again, you know, some people distinguish, I think, between what he does in his private life and what he's guilty of doing in his public capacity and corruption or of abusing his power. So, again, so that's, that's the Chikri Leif second shot, that the question of, of when we depose uh, a Melech or, or a Kohen Gadol or, 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 or a, a person in a position of prominence, it depends what he's done. If, if, so his first shot is he, we only depose him if he's done Averis Tadir, it's a persistent uh, pattern of wrongdoing. His second shot is that we depose him if we, if, if, if he abuses his power. Both are true, he says, Shnehan Yanam Emes. The first thing is also true, that if he does his surim tadir, even personally surim apparently, we just catch him repeatedly uh, not keeping Shabbos or eating non-kosher food, that itself is enough of a reason to depose him. However, he says, he raises the same question that was discussed later by Rabatsri and others. Malcha Yisrael, based David, Ovdebedazari, learn say from Malachim. Many, most of the kings of the first base of Mikdash were Rishayim. Ovdebedazari, the kings of the Hashmonaim weren't all Tadikim either, but certainly the kings of the first base of Mikdash, the Malcha Yisrael were mostly Rishayim, the Malcha Yehuda, many of them were Rishayim, Menasha, and so on. So what happened, he says? Why weren't they all deposed? If the Rambam says, Sarach, you depose him, they had long patterns of wrongdoing that they were, again, some of them you can argue they, they weren't abusing the power, they were just personally of Deva Dezara, so, but, 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 they, but they abu- you can argue that's an abuse of power as well. They set up public of Avodazaras and so on. Why weren't they removed, he says? If, if the halacha is that a, that, that a melech is deposed if he's, if he's Sarach, that sounds like Sarach to me, he says. Maybe you'll tell me it was a practical matter that the, they were Risharm, they, they weren't leaving, and the Tzadikim, the, the, where the tzadikim were, didn't have sufficient power to remove them. He says, good. He says, but, but what about their children? The children shouldn't have inherited the position. He says, maybe, maybe the, the children inherit from the father before he was Sarach. So he goes back and forth. He brings, basically, he brings, he brings Rambams who say that there is such a thing as Sarach. It's not so simple to define what Sarach is, he says, because elsewhere the Rambam says that doing a single Avera is not grounds for, for being deposed. Jesus came out and are, re, are reinstated. But Sarach, he says, either means you do Averis Tadir consistently, persistently, or Sarach means you abused your power. So again, this is, uh, this, 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 this sugi requires further analysis. I, I did not spend as much time as I should have going through all the shitas here, but, but one final contemporary discussion is by Rabbi Yehuda Zoldan. <coughs> Rabbi Zoldan is a, uh, is a prodigious Talmud Chacham in Eretz Yisrael in the Datilumi community. In particular, he's an expert and he's written extensively with, with tremendous erudition and, uh, and even on questions involving national policy, questions of government, of, of ruling, of 
of, uh, of the state, of society, questions involving part of the general, part of the broader project uh, provide Torah guidance on how a modern state should be run. He's written extensively on, on the topic of uh, governance and so on, and the laws of kings and, and governments. That's a big topic of his. His sefer is called Malchus Yehud of Yisrael. So he has an essay where he does, he has a chapter, an essay where he discusses what to do with Nivchar Tzibur, with a representative of the public, an elected representatives who's convicted of a crime. Does he forfeit his position? So it's, it's actually quite interesting. In American law, in United States law, there is no general rule that a felon is ineligible to hold office. For Constitution, nothing. Constitution, the president has to be 35, natural-born citizen, doesn't say anything about having a, having a rap sheet. There is no general federal law against a felon holding office, against a felon being elected or appointed to office, against a felon continuing to hold office. There is no general federal law against a felon holding office. <coughs> State laws, states have passed, individual states have passed individual laws regarding the eligibility of felons to hold various office. There have been cases where congressmen have uh, been convicted uh, or one office while they were in jail. There have been cases like that. Again, Congress is a federal position. There is no federal law that, that stops felons from from holding, from being members of Congress, or even the president. So Rav Zoldan deals with this question. What, should, what is the halacha on this question? Back to what we started. Yosef Atzadik, who was, he was wrongly accused, but Yosef Atzadik was accused of adultery. What is the halacha? Are, are people who were guilty, convicted, guilty of grave crimes, are they eligible to hold positions? Do, do they lose their position? Does he forfeit his position? Does it matter how serious the Avera was? Does it matter what punishment it is? In Halacha, Er Miklat, having to go to Golos, Masar, Jail, Knas, Fines, Malchus, Lashes, Nidoy, Excommunication, Uchidome. Are we obligated to, to remove him? Is it a, a Rishuth to remove him? So he says, you know, we, we can analyze these, sugis, these questions by going through the Sugis of Melech, and we can try to apply them to modern democratic society. <coughs> he goes through all these Rambams of Sarach and the sources of Chazal, and he makes all kinds of distinctions and so on. We're not going to get too much further into the details. He notes that one interesting thing he says is today we don't we don't we don't have a system of Torah rule to judge certainly not in criminal justice to judge people in Israel uh, criminally. He says uh, the, the heads of the government, the Rosh Hashanah, the Prime Minister, the ministers, members of Knesset, we don't judge them, but in Torah maybe we should, but we don't. He says not criminal cases. He says, nevertheless, since there is a, a, a legal system, he says, that does judge, that does hold accountable public officials, he says, after their immunity has been removed, he says, that they, that we don't have this in the U.S., but they have uh, immunity and so on for, for certain public officials. Then he says that the, once they've satisfied their debt to society, once they've served their, their terms or so on, he says, they, they, can, be, they can be elected. They, they, can stand, they can stand for election. He says, let the public decide whether they've been sufficiently rehabilitated. That's his conclusion. I'm not sure where he gets this from. Again, as far as I can see, he makes no mention of the Truman Sedition in this entire discussion. Perhaps he holds, like Rabatri and others, that sovereign, sovereign authority is different from local authority. Again, I'm still not sure why. But his sikum, his, his summary of his conclusions, at least, again, we're not going to be able to get into the details and the, and, the, and the proofs he has for this, but his sikum is as follows. A manik tzibur, a public leader who does a very serious avera, like manslaughter, retzach b'shagaga, certainly, certainly a deliberate homicide, he says. Other serious averas, even uh, theft, he says, forfeits his position, he cannot be returned, he cannot be reappointed, even if they want to appoint him, that's like the Truman Sedation, that's because of the serious takala that uh, occurred by that occurred this way. If it's a relatively minor avera, he says, then he does forfeit his position, but he's eligible to be reappointed, and he, he can stand for office, at least according to some opinions, he says. <coughs> if he's done rare, minor avarice, you don't even get Malchus for, he says. So the first category is murder and very serious avarice. Even theft he calls a very serious avarice. Second category is medium avarice. You get Malchus for them, he ate Nevela or Chazir. Then he loses his position, but he can, at least according to some opinions, be reappointed or reelected. Minor avarice that you don't even get Malchus for, you can, uh, you can put him in cherem if, if what he did is serious enough, even though the Avera is not formally punishable by a serious punishment. If, if we deem the Avera to be serious, we can put him in Nidoy. We can give him private Malchus, but then he continues holding his position. Unless he's a Mishal for the Tibur, he, he's, a, he's corrupt or something, and, and, he, and he would cause damage to the public good, then, then we don't return him. 
modern Manhigami says president, prime minister, members of Knesset, and so on, are not judged according to Mishpatei Torah. They're judged in the local, local legal system, he says. If they've done serious averis, they cannot return to, to, their, to their position, he says. If he's done other criminal or civil offenses, he says, then, then we should not stop them from, from standing for election. Let the people decide whether they want to, re- to, to, to vote him in again or not. Again, I don't know where he gets all these rules from or how, this is, how he squares this with the Truman Sedition and so on, but this is his attempt to, uh, to provide the Torah's rules after a long and detailed essay, provide the Torah's rules on this question. So the bottom line is we have the Truma Sedeshin, which is Allah Psuka, that at least when it comes to Tuve HaKahal, the local position, someone who's done an Avera and has not done proper Tshuva cannot stand for, can, cannot be appointed to a position of public authority. They like that the Truma Sedeshin says. We also have, though, post say putting aside the Chazonish and the Pasadacha, we also have many post say based on the Zohar and Tosfus, that a Melech has his, retains his royal prerogatives even if he is a terrible Russia. One could argue, I suppose, one could argue that even the Melech, it's, it's, it's only after he became a Melech if he becomes a Russia that he retains Melech, retains his prerogatives as Melech, but not, he can't appoint a Melech. But, but a Dayan, it would seem, doesn't work like that. A Dayan, according to the Truman Sedeshin, that, that we treat Tuvahir like Dayanim, a Dayan who becomes a Russia after he's appointed to Basin, I'm pretty sure, is no longer eligible. So I'm not sure, but I, I would think the Truman Sedeshin didn't apply even if he becomes a Russia and doesn't have air after he's appointed to a position. I'm not sure. But the Malachal Kalpanim, the Poskim say, we find, you know, we find Malachim or Rishayim, we find the, the, the Zohar and Tosbah Achav, that, that he retains sovereign power. And then the third set of Marmakamos is the Rambam about Sarach, the Chazal and the Rambam about Sarach, where there is such a thing as deposing somebody because of Sarach, exactly how to define Sarach is not so clear. The Chikri Leif says that Sarach may mean persistent and consistent Avera, or it may mean abuse of his authority. And Roseldon has various, uh, makes a whole hierarchy of Averis, which I don't fully understand, didn't, didn't, didn't fully get to the bottom of, but Averis Chamuros, Averis Inoles Chamur, Averis Yeshvalaks, Averis Yeshvalaks, and he also concludes, though, that in the modern system, where, where, where the operative system is not the Torah, he says you let people do the crime and serve the time, who do the crime serve the time, and then he, and then he, he feels, although I don't really see his proof for this, he feels that people should be allowed to decide whether they want to vote him back in. Again, despite the fact that the Truman Sedeshin says it's not up to them to vote him back in if he's a Russia, he's not eligible to be appointed to a position of authority. If, if, the, if, if, if human beings are mochel, Hashem is not mochel until the person does a proper tshuva.